Cool, very good. Well, awesome to have you along at church this morning. Who's excited to be here? Yeah? I'm excited to be gathering with you this morning. Now, we're just going to pray together and then going to get into the Word. So, Father, we just give you the rest of this morning. Father, we just open our hearts to you. We open ourselves to hear what you want to say to us today. God, we just ask that above everything that happens today, that you will be glorified. We worship you. We love you, God. Amen. All right, let's head straight into Acts 16. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along that way, or I think we're going to have the verses on the screen very shortly. So this is one of my favorite Bible stories. Um, Before we get into it, though, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of the background story before we get to these um, few verses. So this is about Paul and Silas, and they were heading along to the temple to, or to their place of prayer. It doesn't say the temple, but wherever they're going to pray that day. And then a female slave um, comes up to them and begins shouting that these guys are men of God and that they're going to be preaching salvation. Now, this particular lady is a slave. She is, has the ability to tell the future. And so she has been fortune-telling and raising money for um, her masters that way. So now, she followed them around shouting out what she was shouting out, that they, these guys are preaching the salvation of God. And this happened for days in a row. And then Paul gets really frustrated. So they're stating the obvious, and maybe in a way they're just being witnesses. She's being a witness for God. But it gets really irritating. I mean, you can imagine what that would be like, somebody following you around shouting. So they, Paul gets so frustrated that he actually commands the evil spirit to leave her. And it does at once. Now, her masters get very upset because they realize that they have just lost the ability to earn money from her. So they then seize Paul and Silas. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. So Acts 16 in verse, um, oh, just about in verse 25. So before that, the magistrates ordered them to be beaten uh, with rods. Now, it says in the Bible they're severely beaten, thrown into prison, their feet put into stocks. So verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, let's just stop right there. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm being honest, praising God would be like the last thing on my mind in that moment. Just think, they've been severely beaten. They will be in incredible pain. They're in a horrible place, and they're in stocks. But it says, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted to him, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Isn't that just such an incredible story? 
Now, my message today is called Release Your Praise. Around eight years ago, I had the privilege of going to Cambodia to visit Julie McGregor. Now, Julie and Jeff, they're married now, um, are our missionaries in Cambodia. And the most significant moment for me, and I know there's a few people that have been to Cambodia and have had this experience, um, was when Julie took me on her Prison Fellowship Cambodia ministry to visit the woman in prison. Uh, and this prison was sparse. Yes, there was a lot of light. There's kind of like a lot of, um, I guess, open bits in the prison where light could come in. But it was hot, dusty, and they just didn't have much of anything. There was a lot of concrete walls, lots of guards, lots of heat, lots of prison doors, barbed wire. But as we sat in this room to do this Bible study, there were walls on three sides. The woman began to sing, and it was each in their own language. So there was Khmer, there was Thai, I think there was Nepalese, English, and just a load of other languages, each voice joining together to worship God. It was incredible. And it was just so beautiful. We, we were united in our praise. And it's as though we were no longer in a prison anymore. It was like, kind of like we kind of stepped out of that. Hard to put into words, but it was amazing. Now, as a church over this year, I hope you've all noticed this, but we, I've just really seen that we've stepped up in our worship to God. There's just like a fresh intimacy, fresh connection, and our worship, fresh hunger to lean into God in our worship. And that's been amazing, and that's going to keep increasing. But today, I just really felt that we need to lean in for our praise because it's time for us to release our praise in a fresh way. I don't know what your experience of praise has been or what your ideas on praise are, but today we're just going to do a little bit of myth busting and we're going to do some stepping up in our praise. So here's a few praise myths that I was thinking about and probably some I've actually heard a few times, so I'm just going to... Um, read these to you. These are things we can carry, I think, probably especially on a Sunday morning, and obviously praise is not limited to a Sunday morning by any means, but it is something that we do do on a Sunday. So the first myth, praise is optional. I can just come late and miss the praise song. <laughs> praise is just the warm-up song before we worship. Praise is just emotional hype. Praise is for the extroverts. I have heard that one. It's just not my personality. Okay, so they're all myths. Just so you know, that's not truth. They're myths. Now, King David, he was a mighty warrior, but he was also a muso. And I think he is one of the greatest examples of what praise looks like in the Bible. And the Psalms are filled with so many examples of praising God. So it's a great place to start if you want to understand praise. Now, one of the key things on praise is found in Psalms 100. So we're just going to look at this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, a few weeks ago, Jess Clifford did an incredible message on the passion of worship. If you haven't heard that, you can go back and check it out in our podcast. She's an incredible preacher. Um. So the Israelites would gather to worship God in a tabernacle, which just means like a meeting place. And when we're looking at the tabernacle, we um, can see that there's different parts or different areas there that are kind of like symbolic or metaphors for the way we come to God and worship. So the first thing we could do when we come to God and worship, when we enter through that gate, is to start with thanking him, like the verse says. 
And this is something that we'll often do um, in our first song on a Sunday morning. So why do we do that? I know for me what, thinking does, what being thankful to God does in my heart. Because thanking God is an action that turns our attention onto what God has done. You know, it can be pretty hard coming to church some mornings. Like sometimes it's like everything just kind of is against you to get to church or to get to church in a really good mood. Um, and sometimes at home, like there's just those moments or as we go throughout life that it's just hard. And, but when we start thanking God, we can't help but switch our attention onto him. You know, and Thanksgiving's not optional. Time and again, the Bible talks about it. And I think one really good example is um, when Jesus healed the 10 lepers. And it records, so this is how important Thanksgiving is. It records only one of those people is coming back and giving thanks to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd want to be one of those nine who didn't come back to even acknowledge what Jesus had done. On a side note, Thanksgiving, by acknowledging the good things God has done, causes us to actually be giving testimony to those things. So especially if we're not feeling like it, the first step is to start with thankfulness. And the next bit, it says, enter his courts with praise. This is like, draw even closer to God. Come closer to him by praising him. Because praising God is an action that puts our attention on who he is, on his character, on his nature, on his attributes. Recently, I heard it said this way. It's a good way to help us remember what it's all about. Thanksgiving is a response to the works of God. Praise is a response to the nature of God. And worship is a response to the presence of God. Might just be helpful just in helping us understand that. Now, you'll notice that we've used the words response and action. Because it's about so much more than just a heart attitude, it requires action. Now, you all know we've talked about it lots of times. We're three parts. We're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. Now, it's really easy for our spirit to want to praise God. That part is the part that really just wants to do that, that wants to connect with God because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But those other parts, our body and our soul, it can be a little bit harder Time and again in the Psalms, David and others just tell their souls to praise God. Psalms 42 has a good example. It says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now, our soul is also made up of three parts, and that is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So when we come to God and praise, it's like with our will, we have to make a conscious decision that we're actually going to praise God, no matter what we're feeling. This is kind of the starting point. I'll make a conscious decision to praise God. And then it looks like praising God with our thinking, with the things we're thinking about or with the things we're saying, and then praising God with our emotions. It is okay to do this. God wants us to do this. Deuteronomy 6, 5 an amazing verse that we all know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So we've talked a bit about the heart and the soul there. I wonder what it would look like if we were to truly love God with all these parts and to praise him in the same way. 
This is not just about our words. Like when I read this verse about our strength, this talks to me of physical action. Loving God with our strength, it's physical. In praise, that could look like clapping. It could look like lifting our hands to God. It could look like dancing. It could look like jumping. Something physical, a physical action that's representing our praise and our heart for God. Now, just look at Psalms 150 for a moment because this gives a whole lot of instruction on how we can praise God. It starts like this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Now, pause for a moment. So just in case we think it's all about praising God in a nice, quiet, sedate manner, all dignified, Let's read this next bit. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Any trumpet players here? No, there is one. Somewhere in our church, I know there's one. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did you hear that? Did you see that? Praise involves sound. It involves our voices. It involves instruments and the word dancing. Does anybody see that word? D-A-N-C-I-N-G. Dancing. It's using our bodies to praise God. Actually, I was talking with Carol Nordegier, um not too long ago, and she was talking about the amazing energy um, that is put into praise in the church that she came from in South Africa, like the incredible dancing that happens, the, the volume, and I'm like, wow, I want to visit that church one day. But we can have that here in New Zealand too. So this is not just an option. Praising is not an option. It's for all of us, young, older, loud, quiet, and it's an all-the-time kind of thing. Next thing I just want to say on praise is it not only shifts our focus and attention, but praise lifts God up above the problem. Psalms 22, King David is pouring out his heart to God, and actually Jesus quotes this psalm when he's on the cross. And he says, um, God, he's asking God why he's forsaken him. He's in anguish, but then he says this in verse 3, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. See, God is magnified above any problem. He is enthroned as we praise him. But the psalmists also knew something else. They understood that sometimes, probably often, praise looks like a sacrifice. It's not an easy thing. Psalms 50 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Just in case you think it's all in the Old Testament, here's one from Hebrews. This is a writer acknowledging praise as a sacrifice in Hebrews 13. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his names, his name. You know, many times when we come to God, when we come to praise him, it's just hard. We've got hard stuff going on in our lives. And it can be the last thing we feel like doing, but it's actually the most important thing for us to do. And even over this week, 
which happens a lot when you're preaching. Those of you who are preachers will know this, that God kind of challenges you in those areas that you're about to preach on. And so um, during the week, um, there was just a moment where I just was feeling kind of grr and a bit frustrated and a bit like, I need to see some things shift. And so I started... Well, actually, my first response was, my first thought was, um, yeah, I should praise God. But it wasn't, oh, yeah, I should praise God because um, that's going to put my attention on him and that's just going to be awesome. It was actually more around, I'm preaching on praise and actually my words need to look like actions and I can't very well get up here and be a hypocrite with you guys. So that was actually, if I'm being real, that was my motivating factor. Um, But for me... This looked like initially I was like literally kneeling on the floor and kind of through gritted teeth saying something like, thank you, Lord, for all you are and all you have done. Truly, actually, it was a little bit like that. And then I kind of thought, okay, I'll get up, stand up. And then it was, yeah, a little bit more. I wasn't singing through gritted teeth. And then finally it was standing up and I actually jumped because I knew that I needed to do something physical and praising God. And for me, that just brought a shift around what I was thinking and feeling as I magnified God. You know, there's many times I've chosen to praise God, and that might have been through tears. It might have been like barely wanting to, and that's been amazing. But there's been also so many times where I've had the opportunity to praise God, and I haven't, because I've just felt stuck in the issues and in the pain, just being real. Now, I just want to share with you a really amazing story um, about American slaves. And the credit for this story is from Laidlaw College. Thanks to Abby for um, highlighting this to me. It is an incredible story. Starts like this. During America's years of slavery, Christian slaves were made to listen to distorted versions of the gospel that said that they were less than fully human and it justified their slavery. At night, after working from dawn, many would steal away into the forests to worship God as they saw fit, away from their slaveholders. See Lincoln writes of this life. Sorry, just gone here. Right. Often when the white man's worship service was over, the colored man's might truly begin. For neither his heart nor his private membership was in the white church where he was scorned and demeaned. Deep in the woods, safely out of the sight of the critical, disapproving eyes of the master and the overseer, the shouts rolled up and out. The agony, so long suppressed, burdened the air with sobs and screams and rhythmic moans. God's praises were sung. His mercy enjoined, his justice evoked. Generations of enslaved Christians met together in the night in this way to talk with Jesus. They bent boughs, hung wet blankets, turned pots upside down on the ground to muffle the sounds of their worship. Their songs were where they shared their trials, encouraged each other, cried out to God, prayed for strength and deliverance, and celebrated in the promise of better things. They were seen, heard, consoled, and made new. Individual men and women brought their sorrows and joys to their community in the night. The community was physically and emotionally united in this music, and many testified to encountering Jesus as they sang together in the spirit. 
the songs were passed from plantation to plantation through generations, added to and modified by a community over time. These spirituals became the testimony of the life of a people with God. Now, I'd never heard that story before, and I just think it's incredible. These amazing people who were slaves and often treated so horrifically, who had a terribly distorted version of the gospel preached at them, encountered God. Many of these encountered God in the middle of an awful, awful trial. Not only that, but they found ways to share the troubles and to praise God through it. They truly brought a sacrifice of praise. What makes this so beautiful, I think, is that they didn't just ignore the problems, didn't just pretend that they weren't there. They actually sung about the issues. They consoled and comforted each other around that pain, and then they praised God through it, believing for his salvation. Amazing. Now, lately, I've heard a lot from Bill Johnson around the sacrifice of praise. And I just wanted to share a couple of things that I heard um, during the week from him. He says this, Some offerings are easier than others. When good things happen, I'll celebrate. When bad things happen, I'll do the same. It will cost more, but I will. I'm going to do the same. And I also heard him say this, When these tragedies happen, I'm going to grab my moment because it's an opportunity to give him a gift I will never have a chance to give him in heaven. It's only now. Now, so you see, in heaven, there's no suffering, there's no pain, there's just joy, pure joy and pure love. So in heaven, praising God's not going to be a sacrifice at all. That's going to be easy. The actual only opportunity we have to give him a sacrifice of praise is here on earth in the middle of it all. Now, I'm so challenged as I read this. Like, this is for me as well. I'm speaking to myself. But this kind of praise, it cannot come from our own strength. This kind of praise can only come as we actually fall back on God, on his strength. As we come to him with the pain, with the issues, and say, God, I don't understand, I don't get it, but actually I know that your character is good, and so therefore I'm going to fall back on you. That's how we get to praise him in this way. It's not about pretending. It's about coming to him in the middle of pain. Now, the final thing that I want to say about praise is that praise brings change. It changes us. It changes the atmosphere around us. It changes situations around us. And it releases freedom. So, Paul and Silas, back to them. It says, at once... All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. See, their praise transformed the atmosphere around them. Back to myself for a minute, nothing like what they, what happened for them. I wasn't in prison, but as I was talking to you about during the week, I was praising God. For me, the atmosphere shifted around me, and it wasn't actually until the next day that I realized, ah, God actually brought some shifts and some changes in some of the situations that I was contending for. He had done that that same day after I praised him. Back to Paul and Silas. 
their atmosphere was transformed around them spiritually and physically and it brought about their freedom. But not only that, here's the super cool bit. It brought about the salvation of the jailer and his whole household. Our praise is powerful. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that your praise is powerful? It carries freedom for yourself and it carries freedom for others. Now, last week, Neville talked about God wanting to take us from glory to glory, to just keep going deeper in him, that God has so much for us. He has more of his presence for us. He has more encounter for us, more courage, more wholeness. He has more freedom for our lives. Let's just stand together. Now, our ministry time this morning is going to look totally different. Our ministry time this morning looks like activation. So get ready. It looks like us stepping outside of our comfort zone to give him praise today. Now, we have very purposefully not invited the kids back in for this because we could have had them, and that would have been amazing. I love having the kids in for praise. But we can't be relying on the children to do the praise. We, as adults, as teenagers, we need to be praising God together. So today... I encourage you, do something different. If you don't usually clap, then clap. If you don't usually lift your hands, lift your hands. If you don't usually jump up and down, then maybe do some of that. If you don't usually dance, maybe you could just start by moving a little or a lot. Another way to just help to bring a shift around that fear to step outside your comfort zone is actually just to come forward into this open space or into an aisle and praise God there. But can I encourage each one of us do something different, step outside of our comfort zone? You know, there's so much freedom that is found as we step outside of that comfort zone. I can remember the moment where I truly lifted my hands to God in worship. I was at a camp when I was 12. Um, it was called Rise Up at Living Springs. And I was kind of, I probably may have had my hands like this. And I remember the moment when I lifted my hands to God in worship and the freedom that happened in me. And that was such a significant turning point camp for me. I actually got baptized there as well. And I know what it's like to be kind of standing still and then actually to start jumping, to start moving around. And once again, to dispel that myth that it's not for me or I can't dance or whatever, it's not actually about that. It's about what God wants to release in you, the freedom that he wants to bring about. Now, the biggest praise parties that I've ever been in was at, um, we've been in, is at Planet Shakers Conference. That church knows how to praise God. We like felt like we did like multiple workout upon workout just at our praise time. Because it looked like something. Our praise looks like something. It looks like an action. It looks like that sacrifice. It looks like us giving our very best to God. So today, as we release our praise, I believe too that God is going to release freedom over this place, freedom over your life, and bring some transformation around situations for you. We're going to pray together, and then I'm just going to read a scripture before we praise together. Father God, we just come to you as we are right now. God, there's, I'm sure, people in the room who are feeling amazing, and that's good. 
there's probably ones in this room who are just really struggling. God, you know where we are all at. And God, we come to you in the middle of that. We come to you in the middle of joy or even in the middle of despair or in the middle of pain. And God, we make a decision that we're going to praise you no matter what space we're in today. Father, I ask you for the grace that we need to step outside of our comfort zone. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to come and do what you want to do in this place. We welcome you and we just ask for freedom. We declare freedom released in this place today. And Jesus, that your name will be worshipped, your name will be glorified. God, that we will give you the very best praise that we can. In Jesus' name.